morning, everyone. Welcome to the Lord's House for Worship today. There's a psychology throughout this season. We're in the season of Lent. And of course, with our midweek services, we're focused on sin, focused on repentance, on the sacrifice that Jesus is about to make. But we don't lose track of what really happened on Sunday. And so every Sunday, even during the season of Lent, is a celebration of Easter. And that's what we're going to do today. It's a mini Easter today as we look forward and recognize not only is Jesus going to rise from the dead, or he has, but so will we. And so we look at the theme, we're going to rise above it. Order of service is found in your worship folder and on screen at this time. Let's begin with our opening hymn, 588. stand. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. God invites us to come into his presence and worship him with humble and penitent hearts. Therefore, let us acknowledge our sinfulness and ask him to forgive us. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature
God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given His only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for all of our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ, and by His authority alone, I forgive you all of your sin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For all that we need in life, and for the wisdom to use all your gifts with gratitude and joy, hear our prayer, O Lord. For the steadfast assurance that nothing can separate us from your love, and for the courage to stand firm against the assaults of Satan and every evil, hear our prayer, O Christ. For the well-being of your holy church and all the world, and for those who offer here their worship and praise, hear our prayer, O Lord. Merciful God, maker and preserver of life, uphold us by your power and keep us in your tender care. The works of the Lord are great and glorious. His name is worthy of praise. Let us pray. Eternal God and Father, help us to remember Jesus, who obeyed your will and bore the cross for our salvation, that through his anguish, pain, and death, we may receive the forgiveness of sins, victory over the grave, and finally inherit eternal life through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. So every Sunday in the church here is really a celebration of the resurrection. Jesus rose from the dead, so will we. And we see that power at work in all of our lessons today. But, but there's a, a secondary lesson to learn here, and you see that in each of the lessons too. First the cross, then the crown. First the struggle here on earth, then the victory in Christ for all eternity. The widow struggled here too in 2 Kings chapter 4. But the woman became pregnant and the next year about the same time she gave birth to a son just as Elisha told her. The child grew and one day he went out to his father who was with the reapers. He said to his father, my head, my head. His 
father told his servant, carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. She called her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Why go to him today, he asked. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. That's all right, she said. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Lead on, don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, Look, there's the Shunammite. Run to her, run to meet her and ask her, Are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything's all right, she said. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone. She's in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord, she said. Didn't I tell you, don't raise my hopes? Elisha said to Gehazi, Tuck your cloak into your belt, take my staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anyone you meet, and if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the child's mother said, As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, The boy has not awakened. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door on the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. As he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room and then got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite, and he did. When she came, he said, Take your son. She came in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. The word of the Lord. Second lesson is from Romans chapter 8, and this serves as a basis for the sermon. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh, to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. The word of the Lord.
stand for the gospel. Another resurrection account from John chapter 11, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated.
the name of Jesus, dear fellow believers. A friend of mine has a favorite phrase, and whenever life gets a little sticky, <clears throat> whether the situation is tough but still more on the simple side, or e even whether it's more on the serious and severe side, the person loves to say, rise above it. Rise above it. You be the bigger person. You be the spiritual person in that moment. Don't you dare go slipping down into the muck and the mire that's going on or whoever is causing this or that. You rise above it. But on the basis of Romans 8 today, that's not just a friend of mine that's saying it. It's God who says it. It's God who says that to each and every one of you. Rise above it. And the context for it, it actually begins at the end of our lesson. Where if you want to see Christ's glory and join him there, you first suffer here. The same sufferings that Christ endured on earth, and I'm not talking about a cross per se, but the temptations he faced, the sinful situations he faced, the struggles, whether simple or whether severe, those kinds of things are going to face you day in and day out. And yet the same thing that happened to Jesus three days after he died is the exact same thing God wants to have happen to you. He wants you to rise from the dead and enjoy your own Easter on the last day. The great challenge, though, is that suffering doesn't stop here on, in this world. It just keeps going. It pesters us in our body. Suffering comes out of our sinful nature. Suffering is even something that happens into our mind as we wonder and struggle with the promises of God. Am I really, really going to enjoy heaven? Am I really going to get there? It, I mean, these things just keep happening to me. I mean, even Paul in the prior chapter in Romans chapter 7 ended up saying the same thing. It's a struggle. The good that I want to do, it's, it's not coming out of me. The evil that I hate, that's what's coming out of me. That's what I'm doing. It's like a sump pump in Wisconsin in spring. It just keeps flooding right out of me. And going and going. You can just imagine Paul in, in the middle of Romans chapter 7 saying, what in the world did I open my big fat mouth again and stick my foot in it? That's not what I intended to happen. I had planned this good thing to have happen, and yet I did the exact opposite again. When am I going to learn here? Over and over and over again, these things just keep happening. And yet, in spite of that struggle, and the constant rain shower sin brings to our life, at the beginning of Romans chapter 8, just verse 1, it's not a part of our text yet, but it sets the stage. Paul lets out this most incredible ray of sunshine with the gospel. And he says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In spite of the struggle, no condemnation for you. No eternal punishment for you. There is none of that that's going to come your way because of Jesus Christ. Meaning every part of your body. Every part of your being. Every organ inside of your body will rise even though that is, 
that is something that was used on earth that had partnered with sin. Just think about the incredible nature of that. Because Jesus Christ, with every part of his body and every part of his being, never partnered with sin. And now through faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has tethered you to that person who holds the holy record in the presence of God. You are tied to the holy record holder. That's the person who took all the sins of the world on his shoulders and suffered in every part of his being, in every part of his body when he went to the cross. He took the consequences of sin. And this to me is one of the most incredible parts of why we gather in church. Sunday after Sunday and his opportunity, other days of the week too when there's worship. The most incredible nature of church to me is that I, a sinner, get to proclaim to you the completed work of Jesus Christ that even though sin continues to drip from our life week after week, you're forgiven. Not, not, not by me. If it was done to me, I'll forgive that. But you're forgiven by God. Completely. Sin's forgiven. And by being tethered to Jesus Christ, to the one who paid the price in his body for your sins, that's not even where it ends. You are covered with the righteous life of Jesus Christ. The obedience that he did in this world, under all that suffering, that completely covers you. That's how God sees you. And because there are no consequences for sin being connected to Jesus Christ, that means you will rise above it. And the Holy Spirit is the proof. God has deposited the Holy Spirit into your life, into your heart, and he's the deposit that guarantees you will rise from the dead. Every part of you, every piece of you, every organ inside of you that's placed six feet under, and I don't know if my math was right, but I just did a little quick math. I think that might come to 20,000 pounds. Somebody double-check me on that, but 20,000 pounds of dirt that's going to be placed on top of you in your body, God is going to raise that very body from the grave. And even Paul, you can tell with the words that he uses, he's, he's astonished by this. He will raise your mortal bodies, the very one that deserves to go down to hell, to the depths. He's going to raise that very body, the one you have, and he's going to glorify it and lift it and raise it above all this. You are going to rise above it. I mean, talk about grace to forgive sins and talk about power to make the impossible happen. You will see it in your own body. The Holy Spirit in today's lesson then guides us. This, this is nothing to trifle with. This is nothing to take for granted. This is something to take very, very seriously as we conduct our lives on earth. And so he says, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you'll live. As I look back, and I was just looking back at some of my notes from school, just even this morning and last night. As I look back at some of those notes and I think about the godly teachers who taught me, some of them were just phenomenal. They were just incredible teachers. 
And those very, very gifted teachers, not all of them were, those very, very gifted teachers, they were tough. They had high expectations. And when you went to their class, there was even that little hint of, of fear of, I wonder if I'm going to get called on today. I wonder if they're going to ask me to translate. I wonder if they're going to ask me some tough questions about Greek or Hebrew analysis. And, and they brought a lot out of you. I can tell you that at the time, and I'm not necessarily talking about myself, but could be even some of the others, those tough teachers weren't always appreciated at the time. But now when I look back at my notes, those are some of the best notes I have. And they've blessed me, and you don't even realize it, but those tough teachers that I had that had great expectations and brought the most out of me, it's now blessing you. Some of the best stuff from over the last number of years. Do you realize that inside of you there are two teachers? God already said, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You have one teacher who continues through the word of God to, to approve it and, and teach it to you and explain it to you. But you also have a sinful nature inside of you. That sinful nature inside of you obviously despises the Holy Spirit. That sinful nature inside of you doesn't want to listen. It doesn't want to do the work. It wants to do its own thing. In every single way. Even taking you off the deep end. The sinful nature inside of you does not want to rise above it. And you have to understand that about your sinful nature. You have something inside of you that wants to tear you down. That sinful nature has no authority to teach. It never graduated from anywhere. It has no degree. It has no diploma. If anything, it wants you to suffer the third degree for, for the rest of eternity. If you listen to it, you will never listen. You will never learn. If you follow your sinful nature, you will never live. And it's with that understanding that the Apostle Paul says, you have no obligation to the sinful nature. What good thing has it ever done for you? Did it die on the cross for you? Did it promise to raise you from the dead? Did it, did it earn holiness for you? What good thing ever came from that lousy sinful nature inside of us? Nothing. But if we have an obligation to anybody, it's to the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who's given us all of the work of Jesus Christ. And when he says an obligation, he's not saying this is something slavish. The Holy, you, didn't get, you didn't get a Holy Spirit who made you a slave again to fear. We have a debt of love, something incredible. It's a joyful Thanksgiving type of obligation. I want to do this. We have an obligation to the Holy Spirit to live according to it. To follow it. To pursue it in every regard. Andre Agassi is a tennis player that I grew up watching on TV. Great player. And if the story is right, I watched it recently, I didn't validate it, but it, it, 
The story was saying that Andre could tell one of the guys he was playing in one of the tournaments, and then for the rest of his career, really good guy, I think it was Bjorn Borg. Bjorn had a tell. And so when this guy was serving the ball to Agassi and he would throw the ball up, Bjorn would stick his tongue in the direction that he was going to serve it. If he was going to serve the ball to the left side, he would stick his tongue out on the left side of his mouth. If he was going to serve the ball down the center, he would stick the tongue out of the center of his mouth. And if it was going to be more of a, to Agassi's backhand, to the right side of the serving square, he would stick his tongue out the right side of his mouth. And he ended up telling Bjorn that, if that's the guy, after Agassi retired, and sure enough, the guy went back and watched all the video, and he did that for every one of his serves. Throw the ball up, stick his tongue out, and Agassi knew where it was going to come. And this guy even said, it's like Agassi could read my mind with every one of my serves, and finally figured out how Agassi did it. Don't you know that you have a tell too? That God can tell which teacher inside of you you're going to listen to? God can tell every single time. And the way he tells is, if by the Spirit you put to death the sinful nature, then you're being led by the Spirit. See, God doesn't even have to use his omniscience. If by the Spirit, the work that he's done inside of you, you put to death the sinful nature, he knows what's going to come out. And if you don't put that sinful nature to death, he knows what's going to come out. God's not playing around here. When he says to put to death the sinful nature, and I want to be clear, we're talking about spiritual things, we're not talking physically, doing anything to your body. But literally, to put to death the sinful nature is God wants you to kill it. God wants you to destroy this sinful nature inside of you every single day. And it's as if the Spirit is saying to you, Christian, the ball's in your court. Or better yet, the ball's in your hand. What are you going to serve up? He's waiting to see. And last Sunday with the sermon, certainly we understand that that faith is not something we start in our lives. The Holy Spirit comes into the room of our house here, of our life, and he creates faith through the gospel. And now once he takes up residence in our life, we do respond in faith with the Holy Spirit. We do have spiritual choices that we make. And there's really only one thing on the menu. He wants you to serve the Spirit. Let me give you a for instance. Uh, often one of the it's usually an awkward thing that people say when they're in my presence. Oh, the pastor's here if they just meet me. and Even if sometimes they're a Christian, I better watch my language. And I might chuckle a little bit. You understand I'm just not that important, right? Because I'm not going to follow you around where you go and watch your language wherever you go outside of my presence. But the Holy Spirit is God. And he's taken up residence inside of your heart. And he goes wherever you go. And if somebody tells me, Pastor, this is just the language I use. This is just the way that I talk. Well, why? Are you even trying not to? That's not the way the Holy Spirit talks. That's not the kind of language that God uses in the Bible even. 
are you even trying? Are you trying to crush that sinful nature? And I used a simple illustration with language, but the Holy Spirit would press that point with every single part of our body. The things we listen to, the things that our eyes are soaking in and taking in, the things that our hands do, every single thing that we're doing with our body, He wants us to use it for His glory. That's what He's teaching us to do. Are those high expectations? Absolutely. After all, He wants us to rise above it. That's what he's leading us to do. Don't let your hands be the devil's workshop and remain idle. Use them for godly purposes. If your feet are around some kind of temptation, listen to Joseph. Run away. If your eyes and and mouth are doing things they shouldn't be, fight it. With the help of the Spirit, turn away from those things. And trust the grace of God that's been poured out over you. And get back to the way the Holy Spirit wants us to rise above it. Is it a struggle? Absolutely. It's a struggle every single day. And that's what applying our baptism does. It drowns that sinful nature. Is it a battle every day you're going to wonder, am I winning? Yeah, a lot of us do. Uh, Some people even struggle, am I even on the right path? Am I even going to make it to heaven? The sin just keeps coming out of me. And so the mind just doubts, it struggles. And so the Holy Spirit gives you one last encouragement, how we rise above it. He says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. This is like a court of law kind of witness. The Holy Spirit partners with our spirit. So there are two things inside of you that say, Christ has redeemed you. Christ has bought you. You're a child of God. You are an heir of eternal life. You are going to inherit every glorious thing God has promised in the riches of eternal life. It's coming your way. So that's grace. That's power. And that's an incredible witness that we belong to the Lord in spite of the suffering that goes on in this life. In fact, maybe you could summarize it this way, that in your life, you have an incredible friend who no matter what's going on in life, the suffering, whether it's simple or whether it's severe, is reminding you that, Christian, you're going to rise above it. Stick with the Lord Jesus, and you will. Amen. Please stand. We join together in confessing our faith with the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, He suffered death and was buried. 
On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Heavenly Father, first the cross, then the crown. Lift our eyes to rise above the sin and struggle of this life and fix our eyes on Jesus. Help our brother Bob Colbert tomorrow through the surgery that he has planned and grafted. Let them address the fluid near his lungs and let them restore his health. And thank you for bringing Nevaeh Langdon home last week. Now, Lord, protect her and continue to bless Jay and Heather as well in the days ahead. It's in your name we pray as we now join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in love. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He made his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours but also for the sins of the whole world. Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and thanks and honor and glory forever and ever. Jesus Christ on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying take and eat this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me then he took the cup gave thanks and gave it to them saying drink from it all of you this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me and the peace of the Lord be with you always
congregation may be seated for the distribution.